0: will not you pray for us?
1: Father God, I thank you for today, God. I thank you, God, that you're sovereign. Father, I thank you, God, that you are our ancient of days, Father. I thank you that you are truly the master of the universe, Lord, and that you hold us in the palm of your hand. Father, I pray that we would see you for as great as you truly are, but I thank you also that you are that still small voice that leads us and guides us, and that even if it was just one of us, Jesus, you would have still died for us, and it is because of that that we worship you this morning, and um, we are able to love you because you first loved us, and so Father, we honor you, God, and I just pray that uh, corporately that that would be received by you this morning in Jesus' name. They.
0: truth God Father that your love endures forever there's no greater love than your love Father you willingly laid your life down for us I pray today God that we would have ears to hear today God and Father that you would awaken us Lord Long to reveal yourself to us, Father. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. That our hearts would be of good soil to receive your word, Father. That our lives, God, would be fully surrendered unto Christ Jesus. being about our father's business in this generation to declare the good news of the gospel to be bearers of your image father to be light in the darkness to see the captives set free the healed the sick healed father that you would give us boldness to live this out we wouldn't continue to be bound by sin but that, Father, we would be slaves to righteousness. For your word declares you've given us everything we need to live a godly life. So, Father, we are without excuse. So let us not continue to pursue sin and to pursue our desires. But, O oh God, may we pursue Christ we deny ourselves and pick up our crosses and follow you Lord that our lives are not our own That we will learn to think of others better than ourselves God that we would be servants we would testify of your goodness and of your grace and of your mercy and we would honor you Lord In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Psalms 34, verse 14. Turn from evil and to do good. Seek for peace and work hard to maintain it has been our scripture. And not only do I want to encourage us yet again this week regarding this scripture, but I really want to challenge us truly really live it out, to truly trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him. And the Bible says that he will direct our path. I love that last song. It really gives you this incredible picture of God's love for us, you all. God's love is what it's all about. There's no other love. There's nothing else in this world that will ever satisfy us. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Apart from Christ, all we know is ourselves and our desires. We know the nature in which we were born in, that sinful nature, that is in complete rebellion towards God. And I love the line in that song where it says, When I was a foe, when I was your foe, when I was your enemy, you still loved me. That's what he does. He pursues us. Constantly, He's pursuing us to reveal himself to us, to bid us to come to him. The giver of life, you all. The hope that is only found in Christ. The eternal hope. So to turn from evil and to do good. And we will never ever within our own strength do that. It only comes from a revelation of who God is in receiving Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Can we turn from evil and do good? Because we recognize such great love that we wouldn't even look towards the things of our flesh and the things that are evil. Because what of that can compare to such great love for us? What could we find in that that can even compare to make us reject Him and turn back to it? Nothing. There's a temporalness that we may find some satisfaction in it, but it's not going to be lasting. See, sin in the flesh, all it knows to do is to die. And that's why it drags us towards death. But the Bible says if you're a Christian, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. That we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That we can rise up from the filth that we've been in, and not in our own strength, but in the power of Christ, and live a different life. The Bible says that we are born again of this new nature. And the new nature does not crave evil. It craves to do good. It craves to do good and to honor God. Even though the world may mock it and laugh at you. Even though the world may reject you because of it. It's the most craziest thing. But when you have the understanding of the world and you understand that all man, every single one of (coughs) us is born into sin and all we know is rebellion, all we know is our own desires and we want to live out of that, we want to demand our rights and everything is dying and wasting away. When you get a revelation that and then you realize there's a God who created heaven and earth who, out of his great love, sent his one and only son to destroy those cravings, of sin and death, so that we can live afresh and anew. And the world is against this concept of such great love. Yet the world longs to be loved. Everyone in this room, everything that you see in this world, everyone's longing to be loved. And yet the very one who loves us, we reject. <laughs> Because of the sinful nature. Because we want what we want. We want to do what we want to do. We want to live how we want to live. And God help us. And God is compassionate and He is patient. The Bible says He is slow to anger. Like His will is that none should perish, but that all would come to Christ. And we had a beautiful night last night down in Yola praying and worshiping with other believers. And I say, God, help us. Raise up true worshipers and true believers in this generation that we would be able to stand for truth, that we would bear His image, that we would be light into darkness. Because there's so much going on around the world. There's so much going on in our community that we need to be the people of God to offer hope, turning from evil and doing good. And then that second part of the scripture, seeking for peace and working hard to maintain it. And that's, that's, that's interesting. Because not only are we seeking it, but we're also working hard to maintain it. Again, not in and of our own strength. There's nothing in us that can do this. It's only found in Christ. And that's why as Christians you have to mature. You have to understand this understanding of, of your position is in Christ. It's not in yourself, it's not in your desires, it's not in the world, it's in Christ. And that's why you must grow and mature and long to know him even more. God, reveal yourself even more to us, that we may live for you, that we may honor you, that our homes and our lives and our work and our fellowship will be pleasing to you. That we are seeking for peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, I'm not a broken person anymore. I can choose to believe that I am, but if I choose that, then I will live as such. But why would I choose that? When God is offering me a life of wholeness, that I don't have to be abusive with my mouth, I don't have to be angry with my hands, I don't have to be lustful with my mind, I don't don't have to crave the templeness of this world. No, I can choose to say, No, God, in Christ being born again, accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I am whole, and the abuse that used to define me, the words that used to be spoken over me, are no longer. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm living differently now. I'm learning of my King. I'm learning what it's like to be in His kingdom. Could you just imagine if you got a phone call today from the Queen of England? And says, I'm going to adopt you and I'm going to bring you into the royal family. And you will have everything accessible to you as myself and the princes and the princesses and the king. And you accepted that call. Listen, we couldn't go to the palace how we are today, we would have to go through some training. We would have to learn the ways of of royalty to be able to honor the position in which we were given. We didn't deserve the position. It was just freely given to us. But we must reflect the position in which it's been bestowed upon us. We couldn't just run amok. You know? And we would have to learn of their ways so that we can reflect whom we belong to and so it is with the kingdom of God we have been engrafted into his kingdom we have been given this opportunity and so in this knowledge that's why we work hard to maintain it through prayer through devotion through fasting through fellowship there's a way in which Christians no matter what your age is you ought to be growing, that you want to maintain this peace. I don't want to trade what I have for anything else. No matter how it's being offered to me, or no matter how much within me it's craving it, no, there's nothing that can compare to the loving Savior, to His great love for us, and how He grows us and matures us to reflect His kingdom To walk by faith and not by sight. He's given us the weapons of our warfare to demolish strongholds. Remember those strongholds are patterns of thought that we think on that's contrary to God's truth. Listen, there's an enemy, there's a real enemy that will love nothing more than to drag you to hell with him. And so the Bible says don't give him a foothold. Don't, don't allow him just a little bit of your heart or your mind. Because he'll develop strongholds that keeps you from God, that turns you from God, and in a stiff arm God, you hold God back. That's not how we're to be living. That's not how we're to be living. No, we're to be running towards God. Remember, it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to to affect you in a way, God, in in, in a way that you would reject God. But Jesus says, no, don't reject me, reject him. Because I have all power and authority. Why would you settle for less? When I've come to give you life and life in the abundance. That's what I'm saying. We can't settle just to continue to remain down. No, we've got to get up, but not on our own strength. We've got to trust God and say, God, with all of me, here I am because you gave all of you for me. And as we've been walking through the Bible, my purpose and the encouragement of of doing a series like this, because it's going to take us quite some time to get through the whole Bible, is that you would come to know your God. Not just what you want to know about him, but you would see the fullness of who he is and how much he desires to be in relationship with you. Remember God's plan and God's purpose from the beginning, that he would have a people that that he can call his own and that they will call him their God. And that they would live for him, that they will honor him no matter what generation they're in. Because the whole plan of God is his love story, his plan of redemption, so that all creation will know that he is God. Amen. And they know by our love for him and for each other. See, does it doesn't make sense. When the world sees Christians living as Christians and loving God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their body, and with all of their strength. The lost doesn't understand that. It looks foreign to them. That's why we must pray for them. That's why we must love them as our Father loves them. We must share the truth with them. And let them know of hope that is found in Jesus and in Christ alone. In the Old Testament, as we're reading through it, the Bible gives us this picture of God setting apart the Israelites. He's delivered them out of such bondage and such slavery. And they begin to worship him. But Today we pick up in Exodus 32, verse 1, and we're reading through Exodus 33, verse 23. We left off with Moses receiving these instructions from God on how the priests are to be set apart for his service. How the temple is to be built and how everything within the temple is to be set apart just for the use of God's service. They're to be holy, these instruments, these, 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 these tools that are being used. And I shared with us last week that those, that's a picture of us. And that's a picture of us. That as Christians, we're to be set apart. We're, we're to be holy as unto the Lord. Nothing should be defiling our lives. Because we're turning from evil and we're doing good. We're seeking for peace and we're working hard to maintain it. So we're to be doing good, set apart. Trusting in Him to do it in us. Not us trying to work it out, but Him working it in and through us. That's the freedom in the, of the Christian life. You're not bound by religion and rules and laws. No, you are bound to freedom in Christ. That He has begun a work in you, and He is faithful to complete it. But you must follow Him. You must seek Him. And the Bible says he will be found if you seek him with your whole heart. Moses has been away. Getting these instructions from God. The people who once worshipped him have now grown weary. And we find out here in verse 1, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain... They gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Look at this. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Listen, within each created being, there is a longing within us to connect to something, someone eternal. God has placed that in our hearts. And that's why we have all these different religions. That's why we have all these different man made ways of worshiping, of connecting. But there's only one true way. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no other way to God but through me. These people grew weary, their leader has been away. And now they come to the man who has been set over them, Aaron. And now they're demanding of Aaron. Make us some gods who can lead us. And Aaron, instead of being a man of God. Because let's not forget, all of these people have seen God move on their behalf. They have witnessed incredible miracles that have taken place. And instead of trusting in the one who has delivered them, now they want to make their own gods. And yet it's no different than us in our seasons of our lives, where God has revealed himself to us, but we kind of start growing weary. We kind of start like, ah, you know, what's going on? What's this? What's that? Why is this happening? Oh, this desire is flaring up with me. And we just kind of give in to just life. I want to know why these people weren't worshiping every day their living God. Because that was the problem here. And that's what you're going to see through this reading today. Is that they traded their worship for their living God for worthless idols. And for their own pleasures. See, to really grow and mature as a Christian, you have to stop worshiping the the, the filth of this world, the temporalness of life, your own desires. And you need to focus daily, moment by moment, worshiping your God, loving on your God, receiving from Him. If you ever found yourself in a season of weariness or discouragement or wandering off, You can know that you know you've been lacking in your worship. These people wanted to worship. And what they now were demanding was false gods. Give us something to focus on. Give us something that we can put our hope in and can celebrate. And the man of God, instead of telling them to turn to the living God who delivered you... He falls in to their demands. So Aaron said, Take the gold rings from your ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, (laughs) these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt they just spit in the face of God. <laughs> they just stiffed arm God. And that's what I've been sharing with us over the past few weeks. Is a lot of times we have a misconception. We think it's God stiff arming us. We think it's God who 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 is keeping us at bay. But no, God all along is calling us to him. He is our provider. He is our protector. Turn to me, he says, turn to me. And yet our own stubbornness and our own pride, our own desire says, no, you're not God. But yet though we're saying, no, you're not God, we have a longing to worship. (laughs) And if we're not worshiping him, we're going to be worshiping something or someone. The very God who delivered them. The very God who, who split the sea. <laughs> they are forgotten. And now they're worshiping a golden calf. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Look at what Aaron is doing here. <laughs> then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival. To the Lord, Aaron saw how hyped up the crowd was. He knew their longing for worship, and so now he's built this altar to this calf. But he does—he look what he puts upon the calf—the name of the Lord. This is the Lord. <laughs> These are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He's making them look upon this calf as if it was God. Careful. Don't get caught up with all the brouhaha that's going on out there. Even if it looks as if it's Christian. Know your God. The reason why people get led astray is they don't know God. And so the first thing that looks like God to them, they go. (laughs) You must know your God. So the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan rivalry. Now, all of a sudden, look what happens. You got a counterfeit God that now they're worshiping, and in that worshiping of this counterfeit God, they give in to all their sensual desires. Feasting, getting drunk, acting a mess and a, like fools, running amok, worshiping an idol that had nothing for them. And so it is, apart from God, that's what we look like. They turn their affection and their love from the living God to a worthless God. And look what the worthless God calls them to do. To give in to their desires. That's all that hell would ever offer you. Oh, it may make you feel good for a moment. But in the end, all it's going to do is, it, is inflame all that lust and desires that are within you. And you're just killing yourself. And then the very demons mock and laugh at you. But not just them. Listen to as we're reading through. Do you remember the people, the other nations, that were looking on the Israelites, God's people? They weren't afraid of the Israelites, but they were, there was something about the God of the Israelites. That they themselves were like, wait a minute, <laughs> he's God, and they would say that he's God, but they would not bow their knee to him. But they respected his power, and so now these other nations are going to look in, and they're going to see this foolishness, and how God's people are now mocking him. Do you remember as we were reading through, one of the purposes God set apart the Israelites and, and was their God and bringing them through? was not only for the Israelites, but so that the other nations would know that he is God. And so now they're looking at them going, what are these people doing? And that's the same with people in our lives. They ought to see something different in us. We shouldn't look like them. We shouldn't be fulfilling our lust and our desires and our cravings. We shouldn't be worshiping false gods. Because then they look and they go, What different are you? How crazy is that? And that's what I've been telling you over the past couple of weeks. We can't just keep calling ourselves Christians if we're not Christians. I know it sounds good, but in reality it's not good because you're making a mockery of God. These people who knew their God lost sight of him and they gave over to their desires. And whenever you see a false god worship, you will always see pagan, the lost issues of the heart. Feasting, drinking, just giving over and worshiping it. Worshiping it. Last night while we were out there praising and worshiping God over to the left of us was the Wiccans and the New Age people doing all their rituals. And I go, "Oh God, have mercy on them. Have mercy on them. They truly believe in what they're doing." And yet they're dying. And I was no different than them when I was before I came a Christian. I worshiped the earth. I did all the craziness. I had potions and spells and all this junk that I believed And all it was doing was killing me.
1: Uh Ha (laughs) ha.
0: All it was doing was making a mockery. And yet letting me die. Letting me die. And so it is with these people. Now they're just giving in to everything. And it says here in verse 7 the Lord told, told Moses, Quick! Go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly... Look at this. This is God speaking. How quickly they have turned away... I'm sorry. Away from... I'm sorry. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf. And they have bowed down a sacrifice to it. They are saying, these are our gods... Of Israel, O oh, Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt? I want you to underline or mark somehow that verse, verse eight. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. That is God. He knows your heart. He knows how you're living. He knows what He has laid out and how a Christian should be living. He is not fooled by our our, our pretending. <laughs> He knows that if we don't abide in him, we would be quick to turn from him. That we would be quick to turn away from the way in which he has commanded us to live, you all. Verse 9, then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them. I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. I've told us all along. As much as he is a God of love, he is a God of wrath. And as much as he's a God of wrath, he's a God of love. And I always encourage us, why would we trade his love for his wrath? Why would we choose his wrath over his love? It doesn't make sense. Especially when we know him, when when he's revealed himself to us. Why would we trade it for his wrath? God's fierce anger has been provoked. He says here, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone. So my fierce anger can blaze against them. I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. It's very important. Because remember God's word. He's faithful to. And we're going to see this beautiful picture of intercession. And I love the fact that Moses knows his God. Because if he didn't, he could have got caught up with the fact that, oh, it's me you're going to bring the great nation through. Oh, it's me? Oh, it's me? He, he could have pumped himself up with, with pride. <laughs> Look how favorably the Lord looks upon me. <laughs> like, you're going to do this for me, God? No, he doesn't do that, though. He knows that God is a God who is faithful to his word. And so there's something about prayer. It's vital to a Christian's life. Intercession. Interceding on the behalf of others. Remember what I told you before. Is whenever you read the Old Testament, look for Jesus. Look for foreshadowings of Jesus, the Messiah. Remember back in Genesis, God says there's going to come one who's going to crush the head of the serpent. That's Jesus And as you're reading through the Old Testament Look for Jesus And we're about to get an incredible picture A foreshadowing of Jesus Moses steps in and begins to remind God of God's word He begins to intercede on behalf of of, of the people That are rebellious That deserve the wrath of God He wanted God to turn from his anger and to remember his great love for these people. That's beautiful. How are you praying for people who are lost? You ought to be praying for your family members, for your friends, for our community, for the lost. You ought to be going out in your schools and in your jobs and stores and the highways and and byways and praying, Oh God, have mercy that they would turn to you, that they would turn from their wicked ways and turn to you. God, that you would lavish your love upon them and that in such great knowledge of your love, that they would receive your free gift of salvation, that they would be born again. But a lot of times we curse them just as much as the enemy curses them. We tear them down with our own tongues. <laughs> and yet we want to call ourselves Christians. No, that's not how, what a Christian does. To grieve. We're to remember that we were no different than them before we came to Christ. We don't puff up ourselves. Moses didn't puff up himself. No, he humbled himself and said, Oh, God, please remember. Oh God, please remember. They deserved to be destroyed. They deserved it. Because they turned from God. They made a golden calf to worship. Now they're drunk and having these orgies and these parties and and running amok. They deserved to be destroyed. But God full of compassion. Do you know who stands in our place today? Jesus. Yeah, not Moses. <laughs> Jesus. Moses is just a foreshadowing of Jesus, our ultimate deliverer. That's why I encourage you, read the Old Testament. Look for Jesus. Jesus now stands. The Bible says Jesus stands. and intercedes for us. Like God's anger is not burning towards us because of Christ. If you're in Christ. And that's why as Christians we have the good news to tell others. Turn to God. Come to God. Accept Jesus. His great love for you. Don't keep going your way. Don't keep worshiping what you're worshiping. Stop giving over to yourself. No, there's an eternity awaiting for you that is beautiful. So many times we have this picture of this angry God, and so that keeps us from God, and so we stiff on Him and we go our way. But that's what the enemy would love for you to see. The enemy will love only for you to focus on this scripture here where he says God is saying, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them. I will destroy them. And that's what the enemy wants you to think of God. He wants to stop the story there and say, ha ha, that's God. He's going to kill all of you. But don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Listen to the love of God who is calling you to turn to me. It's not my desire to destroy you. I love you. But in the end, it's not God who chooses to destroy you. It's you who chooses his wrath. Because you said no to God. No to God. And listen to intercede and to pray for people you've got to know god's word if moses didn't know god's word he couldn't step in and intercede what could he have so when you pray your prayers should be filled with scripture that's why i challenge you don't pray soulish little prayers that you yourself really don't believe the bible says if you're going to pray believe if you pray and then you doubt it's What good is that? No, you must believe. And that's why we must mature. We must grow in our prayer life. You must know the word of God. And that's what Jesus, Jesus is the word. (laughs) That's what makes him an effective intercessor. That he's standing before God on our behalf. And he's interceding for us. That's what Jesus is doing for us. And so Moses, after hearing this, verse 11, But Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them from the evil intentions of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven. And I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants. And they will possess it forever. Wow, such a beautiful picture of prayer, of intercession. God, remember. (laughs) God, why would you do this? This is how the Egyptians are going to look, and why, God? No, God, remember, you promised your servants. Here is your word, God. I know you to be faithful to your word, God. Spare their lives. (laughs) Are you praying that way? Or are you just grumbling and complaining and fault-finding? God, we must mature. We must grow up. People are dying. And we're remaining silent. You ought not to be remaining silent. You ought to be praying. Look how beautiful this is. And the beauty of it is he was a demanding God, he was just reminding God. Like, God, this is who you are. All powerful, all strong. God, you are the deliverer. Verse 14. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain. He held in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God himself. And when Joshua heard the boisterous noise of the people shouting below them, he exclaimed, it sounds like war in the camp. Oh, remember when when Moses went up the mountain to meet with God, Joshua. I told you all weeks ago, remember Joshua, because there's something important about Joshua, and we're going to learn more about him. He has been waiting on that mountain for Moses to come down. And Moses coming down now with the Ten Commandments, with these tablets that God himself has written upon. And remember, as we open up this morning, (laughs) the people have grown weary Where's Moses? <laughs> okay, Aaron, give us something to worship. So Aaron caved in and fashioned and formed the calf. And he saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar around the calf. And now they're all worshiping. They're drunk, they're having orgies, they're running a month. They're worshiping this false god. Moses now is coming down, and Aaron, I'm sorry, and Joshua... It's like, wait, wait, wait. It sounds like there's, there's war in the camp. Oh, there was a war going on in the spiritual realm. Yeah. Lest we forget. you we, came, we don't have eyes to see in the spiritual realm. But there is a realm in which you can't see. That angels and demons are fighting. The Bible in Ephesians 6 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now my fight isn't against you. It isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities and the rulers of the air of the darkness. And I told you all last week, don't think in and of your own strength that you can deal with the demonic realm because they will beat you down. (laughs) In and of yourself, you don't have the power. Only Christ Jesus. And in Christ, in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus, you can speak and you can pray in agreement with God's word and then trust that God will accomplish what his word has already established that's prayer it's not you trying to conjure up something like the lost do no we're praying God's word we're trusting that his word has been established so there was a war going on Hell was laughing. Hell was mocking. Look at God's people. Look what they're doing. Ha, 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 ha. But Moses replied, no, it's not a shout of victory, nor the wailing of defeat. I hear the sound of celebration. I hear the sound of worship. Remember, that's all this is, these chapters are dealing with. These people turned from worshiping God to worshiping themselves, their false God. And I told you, why did they do that? It's because they, they weren't in a habit of daily worshiping the living God. That's why they grew weary. That's why they forgot who delivered them. They stopped worshiping Him. They wanted man to lead them into worship. The man of God was gone. He was on a mountain with God. So many times people come to church expecting just the pastor to be the one that worships the Lord. How crazy is that? Because you have to go through your life the rest of the week. And if you're not worshiping God, if you're not applying truth to your life, then you're no different than these people. You're running amok. And hell mocks you and laughs. At your God. And then those that are around you see and go, that's not how it ought to be. And Moses points it, points it out. Oh no, they're celebrating, they're worshiping. When they came near the camp, Moses saw, I can only imagine. I love this chapter. I can't even imagine what must have gone through Moses when he came down from the mountain, interacting with God. <laughs> And comes down and sees a golden calf being worshipped. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder threw it into water, and forced the people to drink it. Finally, he turned to Aaron, who was in charge of these people, and demanded, what did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Moses took control of the situation. We're going to demolish this false god. (laughs) And someone's going to have to answer for this. Aaron, what were you thinking? And then look at Aaron. Don't get so upset, my lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We didn't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When well, they brought it to me. I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Now, isn't that interesting? Because if you remember, it was Aaron who formed and fashioned the calf. We just read it earlier. Oh, but he forgets. To say that to Moses. Oh no, I just put and then look, poof, a calf came out. No Aaron. He was trying to downplay it all. Well, you know how these people are. So I just told him, give me some jewelry, and poof, poof, look! There's a there's a there's this idol now. No Aaron, remember? You saw how excited the people were that you built the altar. That's what I'm telling you all. Careful of people who are preaching God's word who don't preach the wholeness of God's word. There's a lot of preachers who just want to tickle your ears, who just wants to give you what you want to make you feel good. But that's not the gospel, and that's not the ways of God. Christians, especially those who teach and those who lead, have a great responsibility. Because I have to answer to God for what I share with you all. And I don't want any blood on my hands. You may not not like to hear the truth. You may reject it. You may not come. (laughs) But there's one thing I will never do is water it down. God's word stands true. Aaron knew better, but he gave in to the people. Give the people what they want. Satisfy their needs. And the Bible says in the last days, that's the preachers that are going to be raised up. Hell itself is going to raise up preachers that will preach a false gospel. That will just tickle the ears of the people. No, we want a huge crowd of people, so let's just preach what they like to hear. Let's motivate them with motivational sermons. And leave them with a lack of understanding of who God is. And we've done our job. God help us not to be those people. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control. Much to amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and shouted. All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Now, did you get that? Did you hear that? Don't miss it. (laughs) Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control. Much to the amusement of who? The other nations. Remember what I said earlier? The other nations. They knew God delivered Israel from the Egyptians. (laughs) They were afraid of the, Israel, the God of the Israel. And now they're looking in on the nation, God's people, and they're not even living like God's people. They're running amok, doing what they want. And so now they find it amusing. Listen, other people know if you're saying you're a Christian, and other people are mocking you and mocking your God when they see that you're not living like one. And so Moses said, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. Because he knew there would be those among the nation of Israel that would not worship God. So he called out, those who will, come, stand with me. Moses told them, this is what the Lord The God of Israel says, each of you take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other and kill everyone. Even your brothers, your friends and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command and about 3,000 people died that day. And my heart goes, oh God. Oh God, remember when I said to you, remember Jesus through the Old Testament? Sometimes we don't understand, like, oh wow, that's pretty severe. (laughs) God himself sent his son down to this earth to die for you. To give you hope. To give you a future. To give you life. And life in the abundance. He laid his life down. And so before we question God about these 3,000 people dying. (laughs) Remember his great love for you. Remember his great love for them. They had an opportunity to respond to God. Don't forget what Moses just said. Look back up. That is what. (laughs) Hold on. Where is that to do? All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. They had an opportunity to respond, and yet they didn't. And so it is today. Everyone is hearing the gospel being preached. Everyone has an opportunity to respond to Jesus. If they don't, then they get what they deserve. (laughs) They chose to rebel against God. So in the love and the compassion that God has for us, He turns us over to what we want. You want to live a life like that? Go live a life like that. But in the end, you will not partake of my kingdom. You will partake of an eternal hell. So live how you want. You have a right to live however you want, to choose whoever you want to be. But in the end, remember, it was your choice. It was your choice to live against God. Moses, the spiritual leader of the Israelites, with all the other nations looking in, had to to clean and purify the camp. That's why he destroyed that calf. That's why he forced those people to drink that bitter water. And that's why he looked at the Levites and those men who came and those people that came to stand with him on the side of the Lord and he said, now you go and you get rid of the rest of them. And what a horrible day it was that the 3,000 people chose to stiff-arm God and say, we're not with God. How sad. How sad. Then Moses told the the Levites, Today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord, for you obeyed him, even though it meant killing your own sons and and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a terrible sin, but I will go back up to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin." So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now you will only forgive. But now if you would only forgive their sin. But if not, erase my name from the record you have written. That's huge. Did you just see Moses' prayer? Don't miss it. It's, it's almost like a different prayer. And I remember the first prayer, he was reminding God, God, this is who you are. This is your word. This is what you've established. And now he's back before God. He's like, God, I see their wickedness. I see how sinful they are. I see how they've turned from you. Oh, but God, if you would just forgive them. And if not, then erase my name from the record you have written. Like I'm willing God to go with them. He was pleading. That's how much he loved these people. Love you all. Always conquers evil. He was pleading for them. And again, look to Jesus. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been beaten. He's been whipped. Chunks of his body's been ripped off of him. They beat him so bad you couldn't even recognize him. As he's hanging there, struggling for breath, he looks out among the people who've done this to him. And he says, Father, forgive me. And then he takes his last breath. And then three days later, the greatest victory of all time took place. Jesus rose from the dead. Breathed again. And all hell shrunk back. Sin and death are defeated. The greatest victory that is ever and will ever be displayed took place. And how men, women, and children are drawn to Jesus every day. And they're walking in that victory. And we ought to be praying that people will turn to Jesus. Such great love. Yes, this was a beautiful beautiful display of compassion and love for these people. But it's no greater love than what Jesus did. Moses just has a heart god Don't destroy them. Forgive them, Lord. Forgive them. But the Lord replied to Moses, No, I will erase the name of everyone who has sinned against me. Now go, lead the people to the place I told you about. Look, my angel will lead the way before you. And when I come to call the people to an account, I will certainly hold them responsible for their sins. And so it will be. And that's why it's so vital that we are in Christ. So the day of judgment that we stand before God, our great intercessor Jesus, the blood in whom has covered us, when the charges are read against us, he says, "Forgiven." They're forgiven. And the enemy is just assailing his assaults against us. They're forgiven. They're forgiven. And that's what makes you make the church say amen. Because if you're not in Christ, then that can't be spoken over you. And God will hold you accountable. And in that accountable... And that accountability, as he's holding you accountable, he's going to turn you over to what you wanted. And eternity separated from him. And how sad. Because you would not respond to such great love. See, it's not God who's stiff-arming you. It's not God who is, who is trying to keep you away from him. No, God is trying to get you, your attention so that you could turn to him, so that you can live for him, so that in return you can look back at others and say, no, 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 stop going your way. Come to God. Come to Jesus. There's no greater life than the life that is found in Jesus. No matter what the world is offering you, Turn from it and say, no, that's not the way I'm going. I'm going towards Jesus. No matter what my desires are, no matter what I think and who I think I am, no matter what I like, no matter what I dislike, it's not about me anymore. See, when you come to Jesus, you die to yourself. And you're made alive into Christ. And you say, God, here I am. Teach me. Show me how to live now. And that's a prayer every single day. How am I to live now? How am I to live today? Teach me God. Oh, that we will long to have a relationship with God as he longs to have a relationship with us. That we can have this intimacy with the living God. That we, as Moses, could boldly come into his presence and talk to him and love on him and hear from him and obey him. Then the Lord sent a great plague upon the people because they had worshipped the calf Aaron had made. There's always consequences to your sin. There's always consequences. Remember, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to wreak havoc. There's always consequences. So be careful of what you're choosing today. Remember, turn from evil and do good. Seek for peace and work hard to maintain it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to your descendants. And I will send an angel before you to drive out all the ites. All of their enemies will be driven out. Now go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. Und- underline that. Mark that as a scripture. To go back and kind of look and meditate and read through. God's plan and his purpose is still in effect. Even among, among, among a bunch of rebellious people. There are still those that God knows that these people will still not turn to him. So he knows himself. If I stay among them, I'll kill them. I'll wipe them off. He's faithful to his word. Remember what I said about Jesus? What's the beauty that we know, the beautiful thing that we know about Jesus? If you know of his birth and uh, the announcement of his birth, God what? With us. Emmanuel. Right? Everyone's looking like, huh? Right?
1: I used
0: to know where you were going. That's beautiful. God with us. God with us. We are a rebellious bunch of people still. But instead of us hearing this, like, I'm sending you, the angel will go before you, he will get rid of all your enemies, but I will not travel with you. Because if I did, I will destroy you. Because your love is not towards me. Remember God's plan all along. The Messiah, Jesus, to come. To give his life. And now when Jesus is born, God is dwelling among man. And when people accept Jesus, God's dwelling within us. Even though we still have a nature (laughs) that longs to do its own way. That's why the Bible in Galatians says the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. And the works of the flesh are obvious. It's everything that you desire that goes against God. There's a list of it. And then some. But the works of the spirit are obvious too. It's displayed by your love and your zeal for God. And obeying God and obedience. God's dwelling among us. God is dwelling in us for those who are in Christ. We're safe, we're secured. And so, why would you remain apart from Christ, you all? There's beauty found in Scripture. God is still honoring what God has purposed. Remember, He set apart these people to bring forth the Messiah, to bring Jesus to the earth, and ultimately to the cross, to be resurrected. So that there will be a kingdom of eternity with people loving God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their body, and with all of their strength. You know if you love Jesus. No one else has to point it out to you. You know the fruit of your heart and your thoughts. But oh, people, we need to get right with God if we're not living right with him we're just holding a form of religion and denying his power. You're to love God and in that love for God and in that zeal for God as you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you live for him. You live like one who loves him. And ultimately you know what your life reflects? God with you. These people weren't reflecting it because they were still rebellious. That that not be said of the church. Let that not be said of Christians. We have the hope. God isn't apart from us because of our rebellion. (laughs) No, no, no. God is with us because of Jesus' obedience and our acceptance of what he accomplished and this gift of salvation. We live a life and our lives are marked that God is with us. And that's what a Christian life should look like. God with you. God in you And you're honoring God So that when people look at you They say there's something strange about you Like when people were walking past us last night When we were out there worshipping They were looking at us like Like who are these nutty people But they had no problem looking at the witches Doing their crazy stuff Oh that's, that's neat, that's cool it shows you the ways of the world. Oh, that your eyes would be open. The things of God will never be accepted by the world. That's why God cannot put his name on something and someone that does not honor him. So we've got to stop pretending and making him this weak God, this weird, crazy God. No, he's a holy God. And he will not put his name upon anything or anyone that does not honor Jesus. Jesus. When the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. For the Lord had told Moses to tell them, you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you for, for even a moment, <laughs> I would destroy you, remove your jewelry, remove your fine clothes, while I de- decide what to do with you. So from that time they left Mount Sinai, the, Lord, the Israelites wore no more jewelry or fine clothes. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go into the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover hover over its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord spoke um, I'm sorry, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks, look at this picture, to a friend. After Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, look at this, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Remember Joshua, you all. He's this young boy. He's this young guy who is following Moses. He's serving Moses. He's ultimately serving God. And God is ultimately going to raise him up when it's his time. One day, Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And what a beautiful prayer, what a beautiful scripture to highlight and meditate upon. Look at Moses' prayer. He had an intimate relationship with God, you all. The New Testament, by the through those who are in Christ, are friends of God. You're children of God. You have this intimate relationship with God. And what a beautiful prayer for us to pray. (laughs) Let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. What a beautiful prayer. And remember, it goes on, that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets, look at this, your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I, know you my, and I know you by name. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. Wow, you all. What a beautiful picture. He's crying out for the presence of God. God, be among us. Be with us. God, we need your presence. Don't send us. Don't send us out if you're not with us. And look what he says here. If you don't go with us, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Just as it was then, so it is now. It's his presence among us, within us, that makes us different than all the other people on the earth. That's why the church should look like her her groom. They should look like their king. It's his presence that fills us. We are to be as he was. He was the greatest servant of all. He loved And we should be serving, we should be loving. Even if they hang us by our necks, or they set us aflame, or they torture us, we should love them. (laughs) Because that's our God, you all. He was drugged out, (laughs) dragged out, (laughs) beaten, whipped, mocked, spat upon. They made him carry his own cross. They nailed his hands and his feet. They put a crown of thorns on his head and they mocked him. And the Bible says that's the greatest love ever displayed. And God did it for you. God did it for you. Why? Are you acting and living as if he's not God? Why would you choose that? When he loved you so much. Even back here. We get this beautiful picture about the presence of God. How that alone marks us out. And we're to be different from the world. And that's why sin can't come into the church. And then all of a sudden we're just appeased by Like, oh, it's okay. Oh, God understands. Oh, it doesn't matter. God is God. God is love. And and we make him to be this weird God. And we end up looking like the Israelites dancing around the calf. We make excuses for our sin. And we better stop making excuses. Because the excuses you make are not going to stand before God. God is not going to say, oh, I'll forget who I am (laughs) just because you forgot who you were. Oh, no, that's not how it's going to be. As serious as he was then, so he is now. And I know that in this day, the days to come, people are not going to want to talk about the wrath of God, but they better open up, not just the Old Testament, open up the New Testament. It says he's storing up his wrath And all that fierce anger that he has, oh, it's going to (laughs) come. There's a day marked for it. The Bible says, why hasn't he come yet? It's because he's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's giving you the opportunity to turn to him. To stop making excuses. To turn to God. Because there is going to come a day. When the world is going to get just as wicked and wicked and more wicked as the days of Noah. And he's going to say, enough, Jesus, go gather those who belong to you. And the king of kings is going to return to this earth. And he's going to gather those that belong to him. And it's too late for those who didn't. And don't blame God. Don't get this bad picture about God. Because in God's love, he has spared Generation from generation from generation from generation. But there's coming a time when he says, no more darkness. Enough of this sin. Enough of man doing everything that man wants to do. Enough. Jesus, go gather those who belong to you. And so the next time you want to just just act ugly. (laughs) The next time you just want to give in to your desires, cause oh, it feels good. It's me, it's who I am. <laughs> ha, ha ha ha. Joke's on you. <laughs> you may think you're he's not God. I'm gonna do me. Oh, okay. Do you <laughs> do you. But in the end, remember it was your choice. It was your choice. And you gotta stop pretending. Like church is going to save you. <laughs> just because you have a Bible, just because you may come to church once a year or every other month or every day or every week, it doesn't matter. If he's not in your heart, if you're not a follower of his, it means nothing. It means nothing. You have to consider the cost. When I gave my life to Jesus, I had to consider the cost. It cost me everything. And it's going to cost you everything. It's gonna cost you your desires. When I looked upon this guy named Angel last night, his name is Angel. And he was a gay man who was in the pulse nightclub. When that horrible man went in there and began to shoot up the place. And he walked over and he stood over Angel and he shot Angel six times. Angel should be dead. But as bodies were laying on top of angel, he was praying, God, remember me. God, remember me. Don't let me die apart from you. And in God's love and mercy, God spared his life. And today he's testifying of how God has delivered him. But what's even more precious is his mother who spoke last night. Who for years she was praying for her son. She loved her son. She was not going to give up on her son. She didn't badmouth her son and tear him down with her words. No, she loved him. Because she loved God. And she knew that God loved her son. And she believed that God, one day, my son will come to know you. He, He grew up in church. But at some point, he chose to turn from God and to go his way. God didn't give up on him. And God doesn't give up on you. And God didn't give up on me. We've got to stop playing games, you all. We've got to stop it. We've got to start humbling ourselves before a living God and saying, God, mark us with your presence. God, if you don't go with us, God, don't send us. God, we need you. Or you can keep playing church. <laughs> ha 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 ha. Acting a fool and acting them up. Living however you want. Angry, jealous. Blustful, whatever. But ha ha ha, joke's on you. Because the day is coming when God is not going to hold back his wrath anymore. <laughs> and just as we're reading here, that fierce anger that he's talking about here <sighs> is going to hit this earth. And then it's too late. <laughs> when he says, Jesus, go gather those who belong to you. Because my anger is about to hit that place. And those that are not of me, they're going to feel it. So either you, want, you desire his presence and his love, or you're going to feel the weight of his wrath. And again, don't think you're going to stand before God and go, but God, but... Uh. No. Because God is not going to change who he is to accept you who you are no, 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 that's not the bargaining tool that's going on here God sent his son Jesus to this earth and it's in the acceptance of Jesus being the son of God you believing that, you confessing that and you living it out marks you as a believer again it doesn't make you perfect but it keeps you humbled but what marks us and makes us different is his presence among us. (sighs) And then this beautiful encounter that Moses had with God. God revealed himself to Moses. We need to be like Moses, crying out for more of his presence. God, I need more of you. It's 20 some odd years I've been walking with Christ in the same prayer. I pray the first day is the same prayer I pray every day. Who am I now? Teach me the way in which I should go, how I should live. Remember I told you, in and of myself, I wouldn't be doing this. It's only because of Christ and the love that I have for him and the love that I have now for people. You have to get over yourself, y'all. You have to forgive people. You, have, you can't let your past rule you. You can't let your desires rule you. No, you've, you've been given this incredible opportunity to know God. So seek him while he may be found. Don't go searching to be validated by men and women. Don't go searching and, and trying to find something to, to, to fill you up, to make you feel good. No, find yourself in Christ because there's no greater love. Nothing else has fulfilled me. Trust me when I tell you for years I lived and I sought for everything and anyone. And I never was fulfilled. But I remember the day in my condo when I was on the floor crying out to God and when I finally surrendered my life and as I was getting up, it was the first time in my life that I felt whole. <sighs> Nothing's missing. I didn't know where I was going, I didn't know who I was, but for the first time in my life, I knew that I was loved by God. And that love compelled me to go to him. Moses wanted his presence, and not only Moses wanted it for himself. But he wanted it for the people of God. Learn from these chapters, you all. Go back and read them. These, to me, besides the crucifixion, everything in the New Testament is incredible. But as far as the Old Testament, this, these two chapters are one of my favorites. Because it gives you such a beautiful picture of God. Of Moses, who is foreshadowing Christ. And then it also gives you the dire warning of what's going to happen to a rebellious people. Who say they love God, but in reality, don't know God. Go to Matthew chapter 26. We're wrapping up. Matthew 26, verse 69 through Matthew 27 through 14. We left off last week with them beating Jesus spitting on his face. And you know who was doing it? Not the lost. The religious leaders, the preachers. The men of God who was leading the people of God at that time, they should have known God. They should have known this was the Messiah in whom God himself said would come and crush the head of the enemy. They should have known him they talked so much about him they knew his ways and his laws and yet god himself was among them and they were beating god (laughs) and poor peter the disciple remember he was the one just a few chapters ago where he was like jesus no like i'm with you till the end man And Jesus is like, no, Peter, unfortunately, you're not going to be. Remember, at this time, all the disciples, he included Peter, has deserted Jesus. The one in whom they loved. The one in whom, back before all this took place, confessed that he was the Son of God. We're with you to the end, Jesus. And now Peter has snuck up. He wants to know what's going on with Jesus. So we pick up verse 69. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over to him and said, You are one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. This time with an oath. I don't even know this man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. But Peter swore a curse on me if I am lying. I don't know the man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. Because remember... Jesus told Peter, You're going to deny me three times. And so, suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Have you ever denied Jesus? I mean, you've prayed the little prayer, you've said you're a Christian. (laughs) But your life is denying him denying him denying him i love this picture of jesus's words peter remembering have you ever been a, you know you've chosen to go, go from god and then all of a sudden jesus's words hit your heart and then you just begin to weep oh god why do i feel this way oh god I, I can't stop crying. Oh God, God understands. And we're going to read later how Peter is restored. Three times Peter denied Christ, and after Christ is resurrected, Jesus comes to Peter. says, so Peter, do you love me? <coughs> yes, Lord. You know I love you. Peter, do you love me? <laughs> yes, Lord. You know I love you. Peter, do you love me? <laughs> Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then go. Care for my flock. Feed my sheep. Listen, your failures and your denial doesn't stop what God has for you. Amen. Doesn't. God is always there. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And when you finally can answer, Yes, God, I love you. Then obedience will be birthed forth. And you would be entrusted to go and tell others of the good news. So the question is today, Do you love him? Because if not loving him, that's all you know is disobedience. That's all you know is denying him. Peter, at this moment, his spirit is crushed cuz he does love Jesus but in his fear in his not understanding what was going on in that moment he chose to deny him instead of standing for him but be careful you all don't let your life become a complete denial of him <laughs> don't think well i got away with it today god I'm sorry now i'm back in your presence hallelujah, but then something presses up against you, then you're, forget you, God. Oh, I'm angry, and I'm going to do this, and you're doing that, and you're just giving it to lust, and you're doing whatever you want. Don't, don't play the, the repentance game <laughs> when there's not a genuine repentance. When Peter's restored, there's a genuine repentance, and there's a life that changed. You know if you're truly repentant, if you see transformation. That's how you know you're a Christian. Just because you say, I'm sorry, God. Oh, I don't want to do that anymore, God. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, everyone. And you keep doing it, doesn't make you a Christian. It makes you a fool. You're mocking God. Jesus' resurrection is the greatest victory of all time, as I said earlier. Could you imagine, if I said to you, I was at the club last night drunk, I slept with six men and two women and a dog, I got as drunk and high as I wanted, I acted a fool. Oh, but let me tell you about Jesus. I'm sorry I did that, you all, but let me tell you about Jesus. And then you see me out, running a monk, just an hour from now. But let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> you would be, that man is crazy. You wouldn't say, oh, he loves Jesus. Oh, look how much God forgives him. Oh, because <laughs> the Church of Rome, back in the days, they were playing the grace game. Sin as much as you want because then God's grace is being revealed to everyone. And Paul got wind that the church was acting stupid. So he wrote them a letter and said, What then shall you say? Shall you continue to sin so that God's grace may abound? Certainly not. Don't you know that if you die with him, you've been raised up with him into a new life? You're no longer a slave to sin. Because now you're a slave to righteousness. Stop acting like fools. Is basically what he's saying. Live a life that is being transformed. Just because you're like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. That doesn't mean anything. Especially when we're not talking about you being new to the faith. See, there's a difference with new believers when they accept Jesus. There's a process. Just as the same process is within us, but it's not carried on like it was in the newness of our faith because you're maturing. If you're still where you were years ago that you accepted Jesus, something is wrong. (laughs) Repentance should have a greater meaning to you as you're growing in Christ. As you're growing in Christ. Because he's transforming you. Into a new creation. You have new habits. You act differently now. You talk differently now. You go differently now. Very early in the morning. Chapter 27. The leader, leading priests and elders of the people. Met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him and led him away and took him to Pilate, the, Ro- the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the thirty pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care? They retorted, remember, those were the priests of the day. Look at their hard attitude. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading priests picked up the coins, because remember, they were all about the money. Well, it wouldn't be right to put this money into the temple treasury, they said, Since it was payment for murder, after some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field. And they made it into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called the field of blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says... They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. Remember back in the Old Testament, there was a season of prophets, and the prophets kept declaring about the coming of the Messiah, and one of the prophecies, boom, these 30 silvers, silver that was paid for the betrayal of Judas. That's why I said all through the New Testament, I mean all through the Old Testament, it's pointing to Jesus, you all. Verse 11, now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against Jesus, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear All these charges they are bringing against you, highly demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Jesus, you all. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who came to seek and to save the lost, not the religious, not the people who didn't need him. (laughs) No, he came to seek and to save the lost, to save them, to redeem them, to usher them into his presence for eternity, marked as his own people. These are my people. These are, this is my bride. She's being prepared for me. Such so a beautiful picture. And he's standing there. And remember what we read last week? He could have called thousands of angels to come and rescue him he could have stopped all of this but it wasn't time for the wrath of God to hit it wasn't time for the fierce anger that is being stored up to be released he knew it no I came so love will be displayed and I will endure this treatment and say not a word and that would do us some good to learn Some of us are so quick with our mouth. We're so quick! We must remain as Jesus was. Sometimes you just need to shut up and trust God with it. Sometimes you just need to say nothing and let the very nature and character of God be displayed. You don't have to always defend yourself. God is your defender. Especially when you're not in the wrong, when people hurl accusations against you. Stand. I told you of the season of my life where it seemed like I had a group of Christian women out to destroy me. And they made accusations and accusations and accusations against me. And trust me, I wanted to respond. I wanted to go in and be angry, I wanted to go in and treat them badly. But God said, Say not a word. You serve them and you go in there and you serve them and say not a word. And it wasn't until my boss looked at me and says, Rob, myself and upper leadership know your character. And I said, God, because it has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with me honoring God. There's going to be seasons in your life that even the people around you that you think or your closest friends will be out to destroy you. But stand and say not a word. As long as your character's intact, stand and say not a word. Now, if you contributed to something, then you better be repentive, and that's what you better speak. I did do this, and I'm sorry. I did do this, and I'm sorry, and genuinely mean it. <laughs> Not playing the repentance game, genuinely remaining where you're remorseful. Oh God, I don't want to be this way. Jesus stood because he knew what he had to accomplish. Go to Psalm chapter thirty-three, verse one through eleven. The book of Psalms, as I continue to encourage you, you should be in it. You should be reading it daily. Again, your two hours or more here on Sunday is not enough for you. Not in this generation, because you're being bombarded with everything out there trying to define you. No matter what your age is. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to be worshiping. You need to be fasting. You need to be having fellowship. You need to be in the Word. And look at this psalmist as he penned this. We're only reading through verse 11. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the the pure to praise Him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for Him on the ten-string harp. Sing a new song of praise to Him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true. And we can trust everything He does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the ocean in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of Him. For when He spoke, the world began. It appeared at His command. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Hallelujah! This is the heart of a psalmist who knows their God. And I keep encouraging you all, look up. Don't look out. Because what you see in front of you will offer you confusion, offer you chaos, offer you depression. It will just crush up against you. But look up. Because there's your God. Father, you are the maker of heaven and earth. God, there's none like you. Father, your love is so vast, is so wide. God, you've given yourself for us. Oh God, there's no other God like you. And you can preach yourself happy. No matter what is going on in your life, you can preach yourself happy. Because you're looking up. You're looking up. And you say, well, I can't pray that way. I can't worship that way. Why not? The reason? You don't know him. And you ought to know him. Because he's he's known. He wants to make himself known to you. He's chasing after you with all of his love. Like, come to me, come to me, come to me. I want to protect you. I want to protect you. I've got this for you. And you keep running from him. No, no. I want to live my life. I want to do what I want to do. And God is going... He's revealing himself to you all. And when you know him, you can declare it. You can look up. You can look up. We're closing. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 33. Proverbs 8, verse 33 through 36. The book of wisdom, you all. You need wisdom? (laughs) We need it every day, you all. We're never perfected until we're with him. So until that day, we ought to be seeking for wisdom. How are we to live now, God? Teach us the way to go. We don't want to go the way of the immoral person, the person just satisfying themselves on everything the world has. No, we want to be a person of wisdom who is seeking the things of God. Remember, it was the immoral woman who came to entice the young man with her lust. And that's the ways of the world. That's the desires that are from within. They want to entice you the ways of lust. Come, come, come to my bed. And all it has for you is death. And yet wisdom comes and says, no, come my way. For I know the right way. I know the ways of the Lord. Verse 33. (sighs) chapter 8 verse 33 wisdom is speaking listen to my instructions and be wise don't ignore it joyful are those who listen to me watching for me daily at my gates waiting for me outside my home for whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord But those who miss me injure themselves, and all who hate me love death. Because what does the flesh know to do? That's all it wants to do, you all, is die. Why would you choose that? Why would you choose to turn from wisdom and to go your way? No, that's not what the Lord has. God sent his one and only son to this earth to die for us. And then to be resurrected. And that all who would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Right now, in this moment, we all have breath in our bodies. Everyone take a breath. (sighs) Release it. That breath was given to you by God every breath you breathe is God ordained he formed you he fashioned you he placed you in the womb you were not a mistake he knows how he every hair on your head he's numbered in he knows what he has called you forth to do you have a purpose in your generation it is not to run wild and to do and to assign yourself to whatever you want No, it is to know your God. The one who has created you. The one who has designed you. The one who has formed and fashioned you. And the one in whom you will have to stand before when you take your last breath. No matter what your age is. And you say, well that scares me. Don't be afraid of God. Don't be afraid of God. He loves you. The enemy wants you to be afraid of God. Because if you stay afraid of God, you'll run from God. But if you know you're God, you run to Him. My God, I'm the worst of sinners. My God, I've rebelled. But God, you love me. Oh, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. God, I'm yours. I don't know how to live, but God, I'm trusting you will teach me and you will show me. And I would take the right opportunities that you've given me to turn from evil and to do good, to seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. It's all found in Jesus, you all. There's no greater name. I'm going to close this with this last song, and I'm going to close this in prayer.